We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twenty minutes a day. 65 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks for being here today. We are wrapping up finally the Packers 13 pick draft class. I'm going to be going over two seventh round picks today on the defensive side of the ball. Tomorrow, I'll be going over my final two with the two seventh round picks on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm hoping to do an undrafted free agent breakdown as well. But let's kick things off with those two defensive seventh rounders. I'm going to go through Carrington Valentine, and then I'm going to go through Anthony Johnson as well. So stick around. We're going to go through two. I'm going to go through these a little bit quicker since we're going to, but I'm still going to get you all the great detail from my scouting report and my full tape review. So Carrington Valentine first, 5'11 and a half, 193 pounds, corner out of the University of Kentucky. He is a true junior, only 21 years old. He will turn 22 in September. In college, he had 119 tackles with two sacks, one forced fumble, 17 pass breakups, only one interception, which we'll talk about Per PFF in coverage, he allowed 93 completions on 152 passes, or 152 attempts in his area, I should say. 61.2% completion percentage, 1,131 yards, seven touchdowns, one interception, nine penalties for a quarterback rating of 96.7. This past season, he was thrown at 65 times and they completed 36 of those passes, opposing quarterbacks did. 55.4% completion percentage, so down pretty significantly from the 61.2% that he allowed throughout his career. Uh, 502 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, five penalties. So five of the nine came this past year with a 94.5 rating still. Per PFF in 2020, he had a grade of 59.7. In 2021, a grade of 56.2. And in 2022, a grade of 66.0, his best overall grade over the past three seasons. 
He had a 9.30 relative athletic score. He did not do the three cone and his best traits, I guess, athletically were his 90th percentile vertical jump and 90th percentile broad jump. So his ability to jump, leap, et cetera, definitely jumped off the page and jumped off his athleticism RAS score as well. His athletic comps, some pretty darn good ones per relative athletic score. Two of the players on his athletic comp list were Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints and Marlon Humphrey for the Ravens. So two really, really good corners. And then per mock draftable, few guys that, you know, sort of matched up to him athletically, Kyle Fuller, the corner, Akib Talib, and Corey Webster. So, you know, a lot of really talented corners with a very similar athletic profile to Carrington Valentine. All right, let's get to the tape breakdown right away. So positives for me, and the biggest one, first of all, is he was far better in press man coverage than he was in any other sort of coverage, and he did not run a ton of press man coverage. So long story short here is, in my opinion, they did not use him to the best of his abilities sound a little bit familiar, uh, but so he's going to fit just perfectly in, in Green Bay. But I do believe if he gets a real legitimate chance to play up more towards the line of scrimmage and use his long arms and use his athleticism, that he can very much win in this league and be a far better corner than the seventh round pick that he was drafted at. And you go and watch the Tennessee game from a season ago and watch Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. He went in the second round, I believe, uh, to the Browns. He got in his head all day long. Tillman was completely frustrated. And you watch him on the outside. Again, not only was he jamming him at the line of script, like Tillman was completely, completely frustrated, got in his head. And a lot of that was due to Valentine's ability to press at the line of scrimmage, not let him get free releases. And Tillman just didn't really respond to it all that well. And then the other thing is in that game, by the way, Florida had the lead 23-16, fourth quarter, Eight minutes, 38 seconds left. It's a fourth and three. And it's who else? Valentine versus Tillman on the outside. And they're going to run a little bit of a slant with Tillman inside to try to pick up that first down and convert. And what does Valentine do? He reads it well. He gets his hands on him early. He breaks up the pass and gets the ball for Florida uh, to take over on down. So a very big clutch play, plain press man against Tillman, against Tennessee, and comes up with that play to get the ball back for his team. So I liked him a lot in press man. And even I'll, I'll even go a step further. I don't even know that it necessarily has to be press man, but when you start getting him 10, 15 yards off the line of scrimmage, that's where things aren't quite as comfortable for him. If he's up at the line of scrimmage, even if he's in bail technique, he can manage. If he's up at the line of scrimmage and jamming and then bailing or jamming and playing man, those are all things he can do. The further you get, and even in uh, cover two as well, if he's up there, again, using those long arms, the length of the long arms, all of that, I'd like all of it. It's more of when he's playing off zone coverage that that is where he tends to get in a little bit more trouble. So I think if Green Bay can use him at what he does well, I know it hasn't exactly been Green Bay's defensive forte over the years, but if they can find a way to do that, I do think they have a really good player here. And if you start putting these corners together, Jair can play up at the line. We know Stokes wants to probably play up at the line. We know where Zul wants to play up at the line. Valentine wants to play up at the line. 
you have the pieces and you have to start putting a square peg in a square hole and not this stuff where you're not using the corner. Listen, I know that the defense needs to switch up things. I get it. I totally understand that. But you also have to put your players in a position to succeed. And they now have a lot of corners that are very, very comfortable up at the line of scrimmage and they need to use them as such. And I really hope that that unlocks Carrington Valentine, even though he's a seventh rounder. And I hope that that really is something that Green Bay can do a much better job of this upcoming season. I really like his overall mix of length and speed. When I watch him on tape, I, I like so I always want to watch the tape first and then I go look at all the measurables and things like that. When I watched him on tape, I swore he was going to be six foot, six foot one, just based on how long he felt. And a lot of that is due to his long arms, but he feels very long on tape. Again, he gets up and, and physical when he gets the opportunity with those wide receivers. And I think because of that, we, we talked a little bit about the arm length and we talked a little bit about him playing cover two, but I, I think that that's going to lend itself very well. So when you're in that cover two, remember there's that sort of turkey hole, the John Gruden turkey hole behind you, where you have to be able to sort of get up and make things difficult for the, the quarterback to find kind of find that hole because there's that hole there between the safety and the corner. But if you've got a longer corner with some long arms and the ability to tip some of those passes away, it makes you a lot you know better and a lot better option in cover two in that scenario. Add to that that he can get up and sort of jam wide receivers, jam them off their route, get them off off schedule. And then as they go downfield, as he can kind of gain a little bit of depth, there's usually somebody in front of him that he's still going to have to play. But if he can gain a little bit of depth, he's got those long arms to be able to knock some of that away. So I think that's really going to help him as well. Maybe most importantly as a seventh round pick, and I know this may not seem most important when we're talking about a corner and what he's going to be able to bring to the defense, when you're a seventh round pick, if you want to make the team and if you want to get active on game day, you better freaking play special teams. And he has 371 snaps on special teams the last three seasons and 159 this past season alone. So he's not afraid to be uh, on the kick coverage team and the punt coverage team, go down, make tackles and play on the special teams unit. So he has that experience and that's going to give him a leg up on that 53 man roster spot at corner. It's also going to give him a leg up on being active on game days. And that's where it all starts. If you're not in the 53, you're not going to to be active on game day, unless you're called up from the practice squad, but you're more likely to get active on game day if you're in the 53. You're not going to get active on game day if you're not playing special teams. And if you're not active on game day, you're not going to get in there if there's an emergency. And if you don't get in there, you don't have the opportunity to prove yourself. So I think he's going to be able to be somebody who can help on special teams, which gives him an opportunity to be active on game day. And all of a sudden you're an injury away from being able to go out, prove yourself and show what you're capable of. So love that as well. I feel like he mirrors wide receivers very, very well. It's something that, I, again, I like him better in man coverage, like up at the line of scrimmage. That's where he's able to mirror them. When he's off more, now he's just sort of reacting. His clicking close isn't quite as good. Those are things that he's going to have to improve because it's not you, you can't just play him at one thing. He's going to have to get better at cover three and cover four, off man, all of those things. Uh, but overall, I think he mirrors receivers well and especially closer to the line of scrimmage. One of the things you will hear me almost constantly talk about when I'm breaking down a corner is whether or not they have the right mentality to play the position. To me, corner is a full-fledged mentality position. You either have it or you don't. Jair has it. Jair has the mentality and it allows him to go out and play corner at a very high level week in and week out. If he just got beat, Jair's not going to worry about it for a second. He's going to go out and play the next play and not even worry about the play that he just gave up. But more than that, you've got to have a little bit of swagger. You've got a little bit of trash talk. You, you just have to have a little bit of it at corner. And he has it. He has a corner's mentality. I love, you know, go again, watch the tape against Tillman in Tennessee. You will see him 
get after that wide receiver. He is in his head. He is talking smack. He is up in his grill. He is all of it. And it's exactly what you want to see at the cornerback position is that swagger, that intensity, that that just toughness, all of it. He has it. And I love it for him at that corner position. He does a really good job of getting his head turned and locating the ball. Now, he's got some stone hands. He wasn't able to pick up a bunch of passes, but I did think that overall, especially, and again, this is, I I keep going back to it. I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but when he's up playing press man coverage, he's able to go back. He's got, you know, good speed to stick with the wide receiver across from him and he's able to get back. And then there's, there's not a ton of panic there and he's able to turn his head, locate the ball and make a play on it. Would I like to see more interceptions instead of pass breakups in those scenarios? Yes, but still you love that he's able to get his head turned, locate the ball and try to make a play on it. The other thing here is that he's only played corner for five years. He played it a couple of years in high school and then three years in college, and that was it. So it's not like he's been playing you know, corner forever and he's just like, this is what he's going to be at corner. He's still very much learning the position. And my last positive here is that he showed consistent improvement as you know, his entire time in college. He got better year after year. This is another one of those players who's still young, whose best football is still ahead of him. He's very raw still. I, w- I would say he's very raw at the, at the position. I think this is somebody that if he would have went back in school, I think we're talking about top 100 pick next year. And I know if you go back and listen to Mel Kuyper during draft day, Kuyper was way more sold on Valentine and thought he was going to go much earlier. I can understand and see why Valentine went sixth, seventh round. He went seventh, but if you, you know, sixth, seventh round grade is where I kind of would have put him. I totally get it and understand it. But I do think if he would have went back and played a year and had a good showing this past season, I think we're legitimately talking about somebody who might've been a top 100 pick. So he showed in the consistent improvement. I think he's going to continue to improve in his time in the NFL and his swagger, his intensity, his, his athleticism, his arm length, all those things translate pretty darn well at the NFL level. All right. From a negative standpoint, he is an incredibly consistent run defender. Now he's got a good mentality and he plays teams, right? So there's some want to and some will there to go make plays and be physical. And that's why it would not say that he's a poor run defender because I think the effort is there. And I think he's, he has the mentality and ability to be a good run defender. And we saw some flashes on tape as well. However, it's completely inconsistent. He needs more intensity and you see the intensity wane as a run defender. There are times where he's going to come crash up. There's other times where he's just kind of going through the motions with the wide receiver a little bit. He's very inconsistent in his gap filling. Sometimes he's going to, again, rush up, fill that gap. Other times it's like, ah, maybe I'll get there. Maybe I won't. And he can take some very poor angles to the football as well. There's other times where he takes really great angles. So it's just the inconsistency as a run defender. Speaking of, you know, sort of cover three, cover four, um, and even some of the man-to-man stuff, in-breaking routes can give him some trouble. And that's where he's going to have to be a little bit more fluid. He's going to have to learn how to stick with wide receivers who are extremely talented at gaining separation. That's where he's going to struggle a little bit. So that's why I like him up at the line of scrimmage. If he's off a little bit more, some of those in-breaking routes give him trouble, but he's going to have to find a way to be more competitive and combative in some of those situations. As noted earlier, only the one interception, and he has not really been a playmaker throughout his career. So it's nice that he has all the traits and the skills, but at some point, offense, defense, special teams, I don't care where you're playing, you have to have some propensity to make plays, and he didn't really show that ability in college. He is very over-aggressive and completely susceptible to double moves, so he's going to have to tone that down a little bit, or he is going to get toasted at the NFL level. Also, there were coverage breakdowns galore at Kentucky, and on the tapes that I watched, I don't know. It was, there were times where I thought it was Valentine and I'm just being transparent here. 
it was very tough to tell because on the other side, it looked like Valentine was doing things the right way. But either way, I'm not super concerned about it, but just know there were a ton of coverage breakdowns at Kentucky. Valentine was involved in some of those, whether he was the one to blame or not. It was really tough to say on a few of the plays that I saw at least, but it was at least noteworthy. And you could make another sarcastic comment of he'll fit right in in Green Bay in their defensive backfield. But that's going to be something that he needs to make sure he's in constant communication. It was against Tennessee again, where they ran a play early in the game and, and you know Kentucky completely blew the coverage and they got a wide open touchdown. They come running on the other side later in the game. They completely blow it again. They do the exact same thing. Those are the things that need to get cleaned up. Valentine was involved in both of those plays and it just has to be better overall. And like I said, the communication is where that starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He has below average hands, lots of drops on potential interceptions, and that's why he only had the one interception in college. He definitely needs to put on a little bit of functional strength. I love all his agility. I love uh, the long arms. I love all those things, but he's a little bit wiry and probably could uh, add a little bit of strength and physicality to his game. And if so, I think that's going to help him in some of that run defense. Uh, Per Dane Brugler, he also allowed eight plays over 25 yards, and that's going to be something that he needs to clean up as well. And then I'll I'll end with a negative that he just needs to be a bit more efficient. If you look at those quarterback ratings, both this past season and in his career, if you're allowing over a 94% passer rating to opposing quarterbacks, that's just not good enough. So it's great that the traits are there. It's great that he's still learning. It's great that he's developing. It's great that he's getting better. Like There's a lot there to like, but at some point, you have to go do the job and be effective at it. And I would say that while there were signs of it, it wasn't consistent enough. And you add in that the inconsistent run defending, and there's just some some you know sharp edges that need to get rounded out a little bit if he wants to become a more complete player. I think he can, but that's why he ultimately went in the seventh round and not a lot sooner. As far as what he can bring to Green Bay, his ability to help on special teams immediately is going to be huge. And like I said, that's going to give him a leg up on making the 53 and being active on game day. 
I think he has a lot of upside as a outside press man corner. And if you want to talk about some recent like day three corners that they've drafted, I liked his tape coming out of college far more than I like Shamar Jean Charles, far more than I like Kadar Holloman. We could go far more than I like. There's a lot of corners that they've drafted over the years in the you know late day three of the draft that I've liked his tape a whole heck of a lot more than any recent day three corners that they've drafted. So that's another thing that, you know, even though he went later than those guys, I think he has far more developmental upside than any of those corners ever showed in their tape in college. A couple final thoughts here. I think he continues to show development. I think he can make his way on special teams to begin with. And here's the other thing that I'll just leave you with for a second. If Eric Stokes starts the season on the pup list or just isn't ready to go the first few weeks, you've got Jair and Razul on the outside. You have Nixon in the slot. If there's a slot injury, I think we could see one of the safeties, maybe an Anthony Johnson Jr. We're going to talk about in a second, maybe a Darnell Savage, maybe an Innis Gaines again, like we saw at the end of last year. I think that's probably who would fill in. On the outside, I don't think they're going to move Keyshawn to the outside. I Maybe they could, but I don't think that that's what they would do. If Stokes isn't ready and Razul or Jair go down right now, Carrington Valentine may very well be the next man up as an outside corner. Shamar, more of an inside corner, not really a good outside corner and hasn't shown anything. No guarantee even to make the team. Like, are you going to go Keandre Thomas? Like what? I'm telling you, if Stokes isn't ready... And there's one, you know, injury, maybe, maybe the injury is even just for, you know, a handful of plays or for a, a quarter, a half or something like that. Maybe it's for a couple of games, whatever it is. If there is one, I'm not so sure Carrington Valentine isn't going to be the next man up as an outside corner. So get to know him because he very well could be in the game sooner rather than later, especially if Stokes isn't ready to go from week one. And that brings me to Anthony Johnson Jr. I can't quite get to the level of excitement that I was uh, with Carl Brooks, but man, Anthony Johnson Jr. is right there. The tape is so fun. I'm so excited to talk to you about him. 5'11 and a half, 205 pounds, safety out of Iowa State. He's a fifth year senior, 23 years old, will turn 24 in December. In college, he had 243 tackles, three sacks, five forced fumbles, 30 pass breakups, and two interceptions. This uh, In uh, coverage per PFF, he had 194 pass attempts go his way. He allowed 112 completions, 57.7 completion percentage, 1,184 yards, 11 touchdowns, only two interceptions, eight penalties, and a 90.2 rating. Remember, and we'll talk about this as well, but he played corner his first four seasons, moved to safety his fifth season. So a lot of those were at corner, a lot of those completions, a lot of that um, touchdowns, etc. And that's not where he's going to be playing in the NFL. And 2022 at safety, they only threw at him 29 times. He only allowed 19 completions, a 65.5% completion percentage, but only 236 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, three penalties, and an 84.8 rating. So definitely much better from a rating standpoint. Per PFF in 2018, he had a 74.3 grade, followed by a 69.4 grade in 2019, 75.6 grade in 2020, 71.6 in 2021, and finally last year as a safety, a 73.2 grade in 2022. Had an 8.13 relative athletic score with a 92 or 92nd percentile 10-yard split. 84th percentile vertical jump, only 32nd percentile on the bench. So that's probably something he's going to have to do a little bit better job of. That being said, he plays very physical. So that's not something I'm super concerned about either. 
As far as athletic comps go, per relative athletic score, Luis Delmas, the former safety for the Lions, was a comp. Per mock draftable, Javon Holland for the Dolphins, J.J. Wilcox, and a couple former Packers, Marquad Manuel and Marquez Anderson. Neither of those guys turned out very well, but those were the comps that uh, athletically he came close to both uh, in the two different databases, RAS and mock draftable. All right, let's get to the tape. Positives. The first thing is he has that cornerback background. And I really, really liked that he played corner for four years and then made the move to safety. I think the move to safety was the right move, but it still gives you those four years of coverage to lean on. And what that allows you to do is at the safety position, it gives you just a little bit more versatility. I don't think you want him lining up in the star slot position much in the NFL. I don't think that that's going to be his best spot. But in a pinch, I think he can do a little bit of that. More importantly, it's going to give him a little bit more coverage skill in the back end, which you always love from your safeties. And I do think that regardless of where he comes from, if you want to bring a corner off the edge and you want to have, you know, Anthony Johnson Jr. come in and cover for him, Anthony Johnson's going to have some of those coverage chops to stick with that guy until your blitz hopefully comes home. So I do think he brings a little bit more to the table in the coverage standpoint than most safeties will, specifically because he played four years of corner. Speaking of special teams value with Carrington Valentine, this is another one. He played 418 special team snaps in his career. So not a stranger to it. Very, very good at it. Has good intensity. And I think he's going to be somebody that could become a core player on Rich Passaccia's special teams. He played in college in the box as a safety, in the slot as a star, as an outside corner for his first four seasons, and and some in the slot as well. And then he played free safety this past year. So they kind of moved him all around and he does have a little bit of that versatility. He plays with great tenacity. And that's the best word I could use for him. He's, He's just tenacious. There's a couple of plays that I want to shout out here that I was, that I just loved. So against Iowa, they're running a screen against him. And if I remember correctly, there's like three offensive linemen coming right at him. And that's a tough thing to do, right? You've got three 300-pound offensive linemen from Iowa running at you, and you're a bit of an undersized safety. What does he do? He takes out the middle guy, like physically, and knocks him into one of the other guys, taking him out. Now, he gets sort of taken out by that as well. That is a massive win. He took out two of those blockers with himself and just sort of clogged everything up. Now the running backs like seeing all these bodies hit the floor, you know, and you know, no music song intended there, but uh, you see like there's a bunch of chaos in front of him and the running back just gets slowed down and Iowa State's able to make the play. So I love that play. Like, all right, I got three 300 pounders, bring it on. I'm going to take out the first one, knock him into the second one. We're going to have some bowling pins go down. It was an awesome play. And then there's another play, like there's multiple plays on tape where he will take on wide receivers in the running game and win. But my favorite one is, so you're familiar obviously with a wide receiver coming and cracking down on the safety and just kind of taking him out. That's a very popular play right now in college in the NFL. Anthony Johnson is coming down and the wide receiver is just getting ready to, you know, sort of jack him up on the side and, and knock him down to the ground. Anthony Johnson sees him coming out of the corner of his eye, but doesn't give a tell that he knows that he's coming. So the receiver's coming at him like he's going to just knock him out. And Anthony Johnson's just running up and at the last second, without even looking at him, just throws his shoulder down, goes in the opposite direction, and just lays out the wide receiver. The wide receiver did not see it coming at all, but that's the sort of tenaciousness and tenacity, whatever one you want to use, 
that he possesses. And there are multiple plays like that on tape. There's another play where he's basically like, you know, Roman Reigns spears a guy to the ground. Like it's just some really fun, tenacious football. And I absolutely love all of it. I also think he's going to be a really great scheme fit in Joe Barry's defense. And at the safety position, when you want to play those two high safeties, you have to be willing to come and scream down and fill your gaps in the run game. And he does a really good job of that. He is not afraid to fill his gap. He will do it aggressively. He will come down at a million miles per hour and he will set the tone and and fill the gap and do whatever he needs to do as a run defender. And for that reason, I think he has a really good chance of fitting in this too high safety Joe Barry defense. I do think he also um, matches up very well with tight ends in the slot. That's a tough thing to do, but you go go back and watch him in Iowa as well. They used him as like a, a slot safety to match up with Iowa's tight ends. He did a really nice job on that. And I think that that could be something where Green Bay... Now, He's a little bit undersized. So if you get some of these, you know, Luke Musgrave looking tight ends where they're six seven, he's gonna be probably a bit overmatched. But if you get some of those six three, six four tight ends, I think he can match up with those guys pretty well and be a, a kind of a unique mismatch. Not or, um, you know, just sort of the chess piece thing is overused, but you can use him in some of those matchups and I think he can be used very, very well. He also does a really good job, especially for his size of getting off of blocks. He does not stay blocked very often. He'll get off of it and he's gonna rally and go make a play. Speaking of which, his other really great trait is he constantly rallies to the football. And I just, it's one of the most underrated traits for a defender. Keep rallying to the football and good things are going to happen. He has one of the great plays in college football last year where he chases down a play like 70 yards from behind and the, the, the player with the ball is just finally getting to the goal line about to score a touchdown. And at the very last second, he does the Don BB Leon let, but in a much more impressive, aggressive fashion where he runs it down and knocks it out at the very last second. Ball goes into the end zone. Iowa State recovers. And it was a huge play in the game. Like I said, one of the best plays in college football when he made that play. So love that he always rallies. He's always working. I thought his on-field change of the direction was much better than his test at times. I didn't see much issue with him changing direction out on the field. He didn't test great. He didn't test bad either, but I thought it, on tape, it looked like he changed directions just fine, totally clean, and didn't really have any issues with it. So I thought it looked better on tape than what he tested. He has great instincts, great football IQ, and was a former team captain as well. So he has a lot of those intangibles. From a negative standpoint, he really lacks some playmaking, didn't have the interceptions, didn't have any interceptions as a corner. Now, I've been told by some Iowa State fans that a lot of that is because they just didn't throw in his direction. Now, some of that might be true, but we also saw the numbers at the onset that he did have a lot of passes thrown his way. He had some touchdowns completed on him, just didn't come up with the interceptions. In fact, he didn't have any interceptions in his first four seasons at corner. He finally had two this past year at safety, but playmaking has not been a huge forte, although I did mention that forced fumble a moment ago, which was a massive play. He can get a little bit handsy in his routes, especially in the slot. And this is where I think I would keep him away from that star slot position, and I would really train him as a true free safety. Again, you can use him in that slot position in a pinch, but that's where he gets in a little bit of trouble in a couple ways. A, little handsy, a little grabby. He'll start to panic a little bit. Then you're going to start seeing some penalties if he has to play there a lot. And then the other thing too, is that you will see him when he has to turn and run in those situations where 
he doesn't have bad speed, but you can see him having to make that transition to turn and run where he's just struggling a little bit to hang with some of those bigger, faster wide receivers. And I think that's going to be a bigger issue in the NFL than it was in college. So to me, keep him at free safety. Don't really use him in the star. I think that could be something that it makes him even better just because you're not trying to put him in some of those situations where he's just not quite as athletically gifted. He hasn't played a ton of too high safety. Uh, Iowa State had a really unique like sort of three safety look. So he did not get much opportunity to play a too high safety. So that's going to be something that's pretty new to him. And speaking of which, he's only played one year of safety anyway. So the safety position as a whole is very new to him. So there's still a lot that he has to learn. As mentioned, when he turns and, and runs with uh, wide receivers, he looks slower than his 4-5-4. And I do think bigger, faster receivers are going to give him trouble. He will get caught taking a bad angle now and then. I think part of that is just his limited experience playing deep safety. So that's something he's going to have to improve upon. And last but not least here, I would like to see him put the word safe in safety a little bit more. I mentioned earlier in some of those run plays where he's willing to come screaming up and fill his gap. That's good. That's not a bad thing, but you also have to make sure you're under control. And there's times where if he can just take, you know, I don't want him to take his foot off the, the gas, so to speak, but he has to be a little bit more sure because he's going to be the last line of defense in certain situations. You can't be over aggressive. You got to make sure you're not allowing those big explosive plays and making sure that you're keeping everything in front of you and staying under control. I think he gets a little bit out of control at times and just needs to put, like I said, the word safe a little bit more in that safety position. As far as his role with Green Bay, I think he's going to have a role on special teams very, very early in his career. I'm going to go as far to say, and you may have heard me talking about this with Alex and Perry as well. He has every right in the world. And Ben Fennell mentioned this also. He has every right in the world to earn the starting safety job opposite Darnell Savage. Now I will say, I don't think Darnell Savage and Anthony Johnson is an ideal safety tandem. Uh, there's a little bit too much similarity there. They're both under six foot. And I, I just, ideally you would like a little bit more, you know, just difference and nuance to the two safeties. But I also think he's the second, at least in the conversation for second most talented safety. I think if you're talking Rudy Ford, Tavarius Moore, you know, Anthony Johnson, I kind of want Anthony Johnson. He's younger. In my opinion, he's more talented. Like, let's see what he can do. And I think he has every right to go out. Now, don't hand it to him. Don't give it to him on a silver platter. But I do think he has every right to go out and earn that starting job. And it wouldn't shock me if earlier and sooner rather than later that he ended up being Green Bay's starting safety. My final thoughts, I said it with Perry and Alex, and I'll say it again. To me, by the end of this season, Anthony Johnson Jr. has the ability to be the best safety on the Packers roster by the end of this season. It's more of a not great comment towards the current state of the safety positions, but I also believe it's true. And I think he can develop into a really nice starter in Green Bay, which is a heck of a statement for a late seventh round pick. And the last thing I'll say is of all the things that I might, you know, that we could potentially nitpick in a draft, I love this draft. The one thing I might nitpick is the fact that they allowed Anthony Johnson, even though they got him, that they risked not getting him by making or letting him fall to the seventh round. Man, I would have taken this guy a whole heck of a lot sooner. I think I saw a mock draft. I think Collinsworth by the way, I go. somebody go back and fact check me on this. I think Collinsworth pre-draft, he had a really bizarro mock draft. I think he had Anthony Johnson Jr. in his first round of his like final mock draft. Don't quote me on that, but I think that that's a thing that may have happened. Either way, 
And maybe maybe it was a fake picture. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Either way, there were a lot of people who had fourth, fifth round grades on Anthony Johnson. And at the end of the day, I think Green Bay got an absolute steal in the seventh round. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already. See you guys tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.